0: Film Studios, the only podcast where two wannabe film studio executives take the best ideas from the latest Hollywood trailers to create the half-baked blockbusters that you'd actually want to see. I'm Isaac.
1: And I'm AJ. And this week it's a Super Bowl spectacular as a pair of aggressive tornadoes whisk us away to the Emerald City to be put in captivity by an army of intelligent apes. But before we get into something new, it's time for something old as we check in on our last feature in Box Office Report. Last episode, we released the... um, Horror comedy, the R rated horror comedy, there's method to the madness. Uh, and as is wont with our productions, for some reason, something went wrong.
0: If you followed the trades at all, you might have seen that the, the Madam Webb reviews were not great. Uh, we got a bit of a heads mm. up from Sony Studios saying that, you know, when we're casting the, the this trio of stars, that, that maybe, you know, having a film set in the Sony Spider-Verse is not the best place to be uh, be drawing from. Um, And it also just so happened that around that time, Adam Sandler caught wind of the fact that there was going to be some sort of film where he could have a holiday to Australia. So he and uh, David Spade and Chris Rock and Kevin James kind of hijacked the production a little bit. And I was a little bit worried to start with. I mean, you and I had this conversation, but then uh, when we started looking at the spreadsheets, it really just makes a lot of financial sense to
1: i mean we kind of looked at what like the example that warner brothers set with axing batgirl and turning it into a massive tax write-off we kind of saw the writing on the wall with madam webb and obviously we had cast the um the three female leads the three young female leads from madam webb in our movie under the sort of uh you know um thinking that oh, we'll sort of ride the wave of that. Clearly, it hasn't worked out. Uh, and the fact that Adam Sandler came knocking and wanted to take over production and recast it all and put his friends in there, we kind of just looked at each other and went, okay.
0: I mean, it, it's it's a a risk prospect, right? There is a like, you know certain risk with uh, with casting those those unknowns. But there is also a mathematical formula to Adam Sandler films, which is just like, <laughs> you know, it it is your budget times. You know 0. 0.5 or whatever you're always guaranteed yep. that he's whatever your budget is he will make just enough to to justify the cost <laughs> of the expense of the film so you're yep. taking a risk and then it's essentially by putting adam sandler in it you're averting that risk and guaranteeing profit the only issue is that we either forgot to tell adam driver or <laughs> he just ignored the message that was sent that it had been recast he showed up yep. for filming in a mocap suit and we already had Kevin James in the mocap suit trying to play it, and so it kind of turned into this weird, uh, you know, passive-aggressive tete-a-tete back and forth between the two actors as they both mm. were trying to play this creature. It actually worked out really well. So there's, there's like, there is that tension in the real life, which yeah. translates to tension in mm. the first level of the meta film, which then also cr- creates this weird tension because we CGI'd. <laughs> Two sort of v- versions of the monster—a bit of like an Abbott and Costello, but mm. in horror form—and those that creature just sort of reads on film as this like two two creatures that hate each other but are also trying to um, create terror in this in this universe. I think it actually worked out really well. Yeah, I, I um, think so despite too. Despite the fact that you know, it, it could have it could have gone all astray, but you know. As, as, as with anything, they, these things all seem to, to work out in the end. And, um, you know, obviously Adam Sandler's under contract with Netflix to produce films, so now it's on yeah. two streaming services. You're doubling our profits everywhere, really. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, again, I think we just have to thank Adam Sandler for saving us uh, this time from a, a Madam Web hype train that was derailing. <laughs> all right, on to this week in trailers. And as my intro hinted at, it has been super bowl week
0: it it is that time of year i think a lot of the big studios hold off on uh releasing their real you know flagship productions to air for the first time during the the super bowl in fact you know i think it costs something like seven million dollars for a 30 second snippet Mm. in the super bowl yep some films just go uh we're going to play you a 30 second trailer to the trailer and then just say now available online. So if you want to watch the full version, uh, we couldn't afford to put it in here, but you can go online and get in the you know the YouTube discussion comments and and, yeah. and pay for it all, uh, pay for it all there. Absolutely,
1: uh, it's interesting too because it kind of creates this world where there are films that are bigger than blockbusters in the sense that they are Super Bowl trailer worthy, which I think is sort of an echelon beyond your average you know 150 million dollar film. If you can get it to the Super Bowl and spend that $7 million on a 15 to 30 second trailer, that's it. Like that is, to me, that's where we need to be at. That's the level that our films need to be at. They need to be,
0: not blockbusters,
1: Super Bowl trailer a worthy. Really
0: fun fact about the Super Bowl this year, more people watched the Super Bowl this year than watched the moon landing in 1969. It's the first time ever wow. that, that has the, the number of viewers has beaten the moon, moon landing. So the moon landing was, I, mean, I think, the most watched television event of all time until the yeah. 2024 Super Bowl. So in terms of getting eyes wow. on your uh, on your whatever you're trying to sell, there is either you put it on the side of Neil Armstrong's spaceship, and you get a lot of people to watch it. <laughs> Or you air it during the Super Bowl. You've got
1: two options. Or well, you just have the Super Bowl on the moon. I mean, I, mean, I
0: think that's probably the next likely thing. Although having said that, I think the the reason that most people watch, the, more people watch the Super Bowl this year than anything else is like the the Taylor Swift narrative. Um, bring, oh yeah, that's right. Because she's bringing in a completely different demographic. Right there is there's a yeah, demographic absolutely. that watches uh, American football, and there's a demographic that listens to Taylor Swift songs. There's not a lot of crossover there. The fact that you've now got her bringing in all of those people with you know eyes on the prize, watching watching her current uh, boyfriend play in the game, it, it's just that many more eyes uh, eyes on you know whatever you want to market.
1: The mentality with bringing in Taylor Swift is exactly the same as spending seven million dollars on a thirty second trailer. There was probably about thirty seconds of footage of Taylor Swift sort yeah. of peppered throughout the game. Maybe, I, I think they like there it is right there. Some
0: maths where like they just like her getting involved has. Put in something like one point, like an estimated increase in revenue of something like one point two billion dollars, just into the Kansas City Chiefs organization. It is like she wow. is such a massive force on her own that uh, that right. that she can really sort of sway the things here.
1: I think this is something to definitely dwell hey, it's on. Definitely later on in this later on. we're <laughs> going to do
0: casting for whatever film we come up with, but we'll, we'll see how we go. All
1: right, first trailer for this Super Bowl spectacular is Twisters directed by Lee Isaac Chung and starring Daisy Edgar Jones, Glenn Powell, and Anthony Ramos. It's Tyler Owens calls himself a Tornado Wrangler.
0: If you feel it, Jason. I said if you feel it. you could destroy a tornado we never had a chance i just want to open by saying i have a massive man crush on glenn powell um there's just <laughs> something about him uh that like you know everything that i see him in i'm just like oh man what a what a cool guy i want you to be my best friend <laughs> and you know if things go further i wouldn't say no um and so every time he starts showing up in these films i'm like oh yeah man i i'm sort of like so on board just because you're in here
1: I've only ever seen him in one other film. Maverick? And that, he, No, I haven't actually seen Top Gun Maverick yet for some crazy reason. The only other film that I remember him in is The Dark Knight Rises, where he plays one of the stockbrokers that gets oh, kidnapped really? by Bane's crew. And that's it. And I was like, oh, I've, I'm sure I've seen this guy somewhere before when I was watching the Twisters trailer. Contacted the Academy, uh, looked at his filmography table and found out that he was... And I believe he he doesn't even have a name in that. I think he's just stockbroker number two in the Dark Knight Rises.
0: He's in um, a rom com with Zoe Deutsch, I think, called Set It Up, and then he's in a Richard Linkletter film, has a really generic name that I can never remember. Everybody, everybody, everybody wants wants some. some, yeah.
1: So it's just kind of like a spiritual sequel to Dazed and yeah, Confused. Yeah, exactly. It's a post um,
0: uh, oh, sorry, a, a, a post high. What do they call that in America? College. There you go. Uh, a college sort of go, stoner. Yeah about, you know, a group group of kid, uh, young men who were trying to make it onto the um, the college baseball team. It's an interesting film. I, I quite like Richard Linklater as a um, as a filmmaker. He, uh, Glenn Powell is exceptional in it. He was in the rom-com Anyone But You with Sidney Sweeney um, recently, which, again, he was very good in the Hey, Great Chemistry on screen. And he's just got a smile that'll make him melt as well. So when he showed <laughs> up in this film, I'm like, yeah, that's very good. But he does kind of seem to be playing more of the Carrie Elways character from the original Twister than yeah. the Bill Paxton character. Uh-huh. And Carrie Ellsway Elways yeah. was like the rival team of uh Twister Hunters or Twister Chasers that was, you know, antagonizing Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. And I'm like, oh, it's are we now supposed to think that he's the good guy? The other one that I find really weird with this trailer is that I don't know if it's A sequel to Twister or a soft remake because they tend to be doing a lot of the same things that the original Twister movie was doing so Mm. I I just I'm, I'm not sure what they're trying to do like it it looks very much and it feels very much like that original film but none of the original cast and it's a little bit different a little bit more um sort of high octane than than then Twister, but, you know, bring back the disaster movie. I've been waiting for a good one for ages. <laughs>
1: well, I think this is the thing, right? It doesn't matter if it's a soft reboot, a sequel, or whatever. This is a massive budget B-movie. Everything about it screams B-movie. Everything about it screams, like, right, we have this successful concept. What are we going to do? Double it. We had one Twister in the first film. No, two twin, si- twin Twisters.
0: I probably told the story online. Do you know the story of James Cameron pitching the sequel to Alien? no or he just he just walk, he just walks into the 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 business meeting um obviously Ridley scott did the original one he writes alien <laughs> on the board and then puts an <laughs> s on it's the an- end <laughs> and then yep. turns the S into a dollar <laughs> sign. And he's just like, cha baby, <laughs> aliens, put a on the end, make it a sequel, uh, printing money. Yep. I feel as though it yep. should be Twisters with a dollar sign on the end here. This yep. is uh, exactly what yep. they're trying to catch it uh,
1: on. 100%, but honestly, it looks, it just looks crazy, right? Like it, it it's exactly what you want from a sequel to a disaster film. There's more disasters, there's um, more action, There's more crazy characters. Um, That's it. Like, what more do you want? I think as well, I think we might be burying the lead here a little bit because this film seems to experiment with, like, first of all, tornado chases. But then also, there's a scene in it where Daisy Edgar Jones's character, um, they have a small discussion about, like, trying to use technology to stop twisters. And there's this sort of machine that looks like it's full of, like, nanotechnology that, of some kind that
0: machine is from the original film that was the whole point is there. it so they, they had a little vat full of these little uh clear spheres with blinking leds in it and the idea was yep. that they would drive their truck into the into a twister those would get sucked into it and they would get data readout of every aspect of the tornado that was that was ah. what bill paxton and helen hunt were trying to do um, but
1: they're talking about data in that one. This one they were talking about stopping it entirely. Yeah, I know, but, but
0: they, they're using exactly the same little devices from, yes. you know, 30 years ago or whatever. Twister came out 96, I think, something somewhere around there. Anyway.
1: So I guess my point is that we made a film quite a while ago called "Shrunk: The Prairie Dog, which featured a story where a, uh, a laboratory that um, was investigating... I believe how to stop tornadoes, or even how to create tornadoes from scratch, accidentally created an intelligent hybrid animal uh, called Skrunk. I think
0: also the tornado was intelligent as well, wasn't it? Didn't, I, know, didn't, I believe yeah. yes, it was.
1: Yeah, it was a nano. Te- it was a nano tornado.
0: Uh, and I just feel like who ripped off? I who mean, we here? ripped off Twister to create Skrunk and then Shrunk Ripped off us to. We were, we were ripped off to create Twisters. And then, when we create Truths the Prairie Dogs, we're going to have to be ripping off <laughs> to it. It's all a cycle of ideas piling on top of it's, ideas it's, piling on top of it's ideas. The
1: infinity, it's the infinity loop symbol, exactly. right? That's what it is. It's the you know, who influenced its own tale. who? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, on to the next film in this week's episode, which is Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, directed by Wes Ball and starring Owen Teague, Freya Allen, and Kevin Durand.
0: In their time, humans were capable of many great things. Noah! They could fly like eagles fly. They could speak across
1: oceans. But
0: now it is our time. And it is my kingdom. I may have mentioned this before as well, but there's this thing on YouTube where trailers kind of also have their own trailers. Like the the first mm. fi- well three to five seconds of when you click on to play the trailer is a little snippet from the trailer, just to say we promise this is going to be interesting. Here's like the coolest action <laughs> shot of the trailer. If you can just yeah. if you can just pay attention for one minute and ten yeah. seconds, we promise yeah. it's going to be interesting. I find it very strange that like film studios have. So little faith in their audience that they they don't think they have more than about, you know, 20 seconds worth of attention. Usually that's
1: because, like, you get the option to skip uh, an ad after five or six seconds on YouTube. So the idea is that, like, they need to explode the best scenes at you to stop you from hitting that skip button. And to be fair, it has worked on me before. Yeah. For, like, films that I either wasn't aware of or wasn't super interested in, for some reason that five or six seconds was enough to get me to like just hang on that ad before I actually watched the video that I wanted to watch um so you know there's something there about like just throwing just it just feels like you know it feels like you're pelting snowballs at like an unwilling or an um unassuming victim and you're just trying to pummel them as much as you can before they actually turn around and take notice. Now, obviously this film is a continuation of the very, very long running Of The Apes franchise. Is that what it's technically, is it technically The Planet Of The Apes or is it just Of The Apes? Because it seems to change.
0: Um, Planet Of The Apes, Beneath The Planet Of The Apes, Dawn Of The Planet Of The Apes, Rise Of The Planet Of The Apes, Conquest Of The Planet Of The Apes. I think they all have Planet Of The Apes in there somewhere. So I imagine that's probably where they get the, uh, or at least that the, all of them would say that they're of the Planet of the Apes franchise. This is part of the the rebooted
1: Planet of the Apes franchise that kicked off in when was it like uh,
0: late the late two thousands. So it depends on on what you're counting as because you know you have the original uh, film I think it's nineteen sixty six or somewhere around there, and yep. then they do four in that series. Um, and then Tim Burton tries to reboot the original Planet of the Apes with Mark Warburg in about 2001. Yep. And then I think in 2011 is Rise of the Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. um, which uh, is its own sort of sequel of real four films. I can't really remember yeah. um, exactly which ones uh, are in there. And then this is... I'm fairly sure a continuation of that one. So it is, the Tim yes. Burton one kind of sits independently, but people sometimes lump it in with the, the Andy Circus ones. Anyway, it's it's maybe a continuation of the third iteration. Let, let's
1: put it that way. I think I think this was always meant to be more of a sp- like spiritually cast its bow back to the original Planet of the Apes film with Charlton Heston. And yeah. like from a um, aesthetic point of view, we're actually almost full circle there. We seem to be in that sort of like, you know, humanity has definitely collapsed at this point. Um, the, ape, the apes are definitely in charge. Uh, most of the humans are sort of in rugged, or not rugged, in like almost tribal outfits now as well. They're very ragged and, and run down and they're constantly on the run. It's very much, we're very much in the territory of like you damn dirty
0: ape now. Yeah, so um. I don't know how much you know about the original um uh, films, but they they are kind of like a, a continuous circle where you start with Planet of the Apes and then uh, in the second film is a continuation in the future when the Apes are taken over. But at the end of the second film, the Earth explodes. Like it oh, literally really? is oh, wow. destroyed. Okay. And then the third film is set in like 1971 Earth where Apes from that Planet of the Apes have gone back in time to humanity. But then mm. they seed, they have a, a baby... Like Caesar, who then becomes the the hero who rises up to create the planet of the apes, and then the fourth film is midway between those two points where Apes of the are taken over and there is a war between humans and apes. So this one sort of feels very much like it's sitting in the, um, the first two films, which is in yeah. the, the distant future where apes are the dominant technology, humans have reverted back to a more animal-like state, yep. and the apes are like humans once ruled this planet and had technology that we don't have how do we create a kingdom or an empire which is more akin to what humans had originally gotcha so basically what you're saying is it's complicated it is very complicated of course also originally based on a book by a french author which was called planet of the apes but i don't think like apart from the name doesn't really share any
1: um, themes with I think there's a lot more of a sci-fi bent on the novel if I'm not mistaken yes. Although um... I, I
0: also think they, they tried to get that same French author to write the film sequel to the um, Charlton Heston Planet right. of the Apes yep uh, and then they didn't like his idea and they threw out the script <laughs> and just did their own thing so um, it's all muddy and all intertangled and then I think there's also a TV show of Planet <laughs> of the Apes from the late 70s yep. which has been recut into uh, film length things that sometimes sit within the canon and sometimes don't. Right, so yeah, uh, it's a it's a it's a fun world, mm-hmm. uh, a future post-apocalypse that is very iconic with having these you know talking monkeys. Yeah. And really, if you're playing in that space, I think that's just a a, a good place to be.
1: Mm. I gotta say and I know we're getting a little bit away from this film which again looks great but like I just want to go back to the original series they blew up the earth in the second film
0: yeah exactly this is it's, it's <laughs> ridiculous so, so I mean part of the, the story is that um, uh, humans destroyed themselves through nuclear infighting yes and so this is what you know caused humanity's decline and the ability for the apes to rise but then there is like a, a cult that worships nuclear weapons and they still have these doomsday uh, yeah, weapons yeah and so they're fighting at the end and then they just the bomb gets set, set off. off and like yeah, you literally okay. then have like a um uh a voiceover by who was who didn't citizen kane i think i forget uh, uh, orson, orson wells, wells. i yep. think it might be orson wells or someone of like similar caliber doing a. Yep. and then the earth was destroyed forever and ever and ever <laughs> and you're just sort of like what what is the edit- and then like can you imagine being around being a cinema going person and then they announce their third film and it's like what? i literally just saw at the end of this that the how are they going to possibly yeah continue this series after they explicitly say in voiceover that everything's destroyed and there's no more planets and all that can I be like seen the of, idea yeah. like
1: Orson Welles did a voiceover for it. I
0: might be wrong about that, but it's. It, I think it's like one of his last film credits other than like Optimus Prime or whatever he did for the Transformers <laughs> movie. That's right, yes. Uh, all, all right. I think that's enough of
1: Orson Welles in Planet of the Apes. On to the last trailer for this week's episode, which is Wicked, directed by John M. Chu and starring Cynthia Erivo, Ariana Grande, and Jeff Goldblum.
0: I am. something here. Something just takes over me, and when it does, bad things happen. Once you learn to harness
1: your emotions, the sky's the limit. Uh, so, if you're not aware, Wicked is of course based on the now very long-running uh, Broadway musical. Um, it is a retelling or a reimagining of the world of the Wizard of Oz, um, and I think it's actually a, a kind of a prequel to that, which is focused entirely on the two witches of the story, the Wicked Witch of the East, is it the East, or <laughs> well, the Wicked Witch of the yes, West?
0: Wicked Witch of the West gets crushed by the um by the yes. house. Yes,
1: and the, at the start, and
0: she's the Wicked Witch of the East. and the Good and Fairy Glinda, Glinda the, the good, good Fairy, yes,
1: uh, who are sisters, I believe, or uh, no, are meant to be no, sisters. So, no, no,
0: so um. The Wicked Witch of the West and the Wicked Witch of the East in this story are sisters. Ah, okay. And yes. uh, Glinda is just like a... I mean, I actually went... I took my nieces to see Wicked earlier this year. Oh, yeah? So I kind of... I know the story a little bit better than I would have if you'd asked me before January. Yep. Um, But you say it's based on a musical. The musical is based on a book written in the 90s, I think. Yeah. Which is then, of course, based on the... Probably more so based on the popularity of the... Uh, uh, I was going to say Dorothy Gale but <laughs> <that's> Judy Garland <laughs> Judy. playing Dorothy Gale film and then the film is based on a series of books by Frank L. Yeah, it's just you know stacks upon stacks upon stacks of uh, inspiration is, based yes. on and retellings
1: it's, it's the inception of uh, intellectual properties that's for sure uh, yeah. this this kind of looks I mean, it's a very like high fantasy uh, huge amount of effects, you know, get all the actors in there, get Jeff Goldblum in there doing his Jeff Goldblum thing. Uh, I think this is definitely one for those who are very familiar with the musical or maybe just those that have no patience for watching musicals uh, and need to see it with effects.
0: There are a lot of musicals getting released as films. So hmm. um, the Mean Girls musical came out uh, earlier this year. It's true, um, yeah. The uh, Color Purple had a musical... Uh, version of it which I don't think has been released in Australia yet but came out last year in the US Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously Wicked being a very famous musical the I know with at least with the first two that I mentioned uh, Mean Girls and uh, The Color Purple there's this kind of thing in the trailers where kind of half trying to mask that they are musicals yeah. as if to as if to say we we know that a large chunk of our audience yeah. aren't going to come see this if yep. they know that it's a musical yep. so maybe if we kind of like hide the fact that yep. they're going to break out into songs all the time then maybe that or that part of the audience which would be turned off by that is still going to come <laughs> and the people who uh fans of musicals kind of know that it's a musical and it already and are going to come. I don't think there's any hiding the fact that Wicked is a musical, right? Especially when you've got Ariana Grande playing Glinda. I, I guess so. It kind of
1: I guess so. But I mean there there is still that case of like bait and switch. It's like here's all the action. It's like haha culture. Uh, I think you mentioned it in the last episode that the the original Sweeney Todd trailers, the um the kind of the 2005 film with Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter directed by Tim Burton kind of did the same thing as well where it kind of front-loaded the trailer with all the action bits and all the like grim uh victorian era imagery uh and johnny depp being weird and helena bottom carter being weird and i don't think they ever mentioned at any point or even alluded to at any point that that film is a musical uh and it is based on on a stage musical
0: that might have been based on the back of the talk about wonka again which wonka does the thing where it kind of buries the lead that it is you're going to have, <laughs> have timothy chalamet singing all the time yeah so there's this you know it must be this negative thing in the in the i don't know if it's the industry or whether it's just the people who are cutting the trailers together where yep. or at least the thought is that nobody wants to see people singing on screen <laughs> it, but these these films haven't been doing too badly at the box office so maybe they're wrong I, who knows who knows maybe uh, what the
1: there was a time in hollywood and i i mean i do actually like a good musical um but there was a time where you know from the 40s up into the 50s and and as color and sound was introduced into cinema like musicals did really really well and then they the, started the
0: musical was a huge genre. it was a
1: huge genre and then they started to dip um sort of getting into the 60s and 70s and um you know you'd, you'd have big big musical projects like francis ford coppola you know director of the godfather and many other notable films and jack yeah uh, yep <laughs> Uh, in 1968, sort of threw his weight behind uh, a musical fantasy film starring Fred Astaire, the the um, world famous dancer, um, and Petula Petula Clark, and the film flopped massively, massive, massive like uh, miscalculation from Coppola and the studios. Um, it's not actually a terrible film either; it's actually quite fun, but like the audience appetite just wasn't there. So I feel like. Yeah. Ever since then, I think studios have been sort of a little less keen to sort of throw their money behind a big musical. Uh, but yeah, you know, things seem to be changing. People have decided definitely
0: some themes in there. Yeah, that
1: combination of action while people are singing is actually not as offensive as people Ooh. may think. Um, I do actually want to talk about while we're on the subject of like slightly misleading trailers. The Super Bowl also featured uh, two other trailers. Um, one for a film called If, which is a, uh, a, a, a kind of family film directed by John Krasinski about a child who starts being able to see other people's imaginary friends alongside her own. Uh, and then there was a trailer that followed it that used the word if quite prominently in its sort of graphics. Like it was the, the word was bigger than everything else. So it kind of implied that this was like a, an additional trailer for if, and everything was about how another child was, you know, had an imaginary friend and so on and so forth. But then in the last, like, I want to say like five to 10 seconds of this trailer, the film suddenly becomes a a horror film. And it's a horror film called imaginary, which is a a trailer I've seen before where um, a child's toy, um, kind of comes to life in in a horrific and monstrous kind of way and the child just sort of thinks it's an imaginary friend uh and none of the other adults believe her um which i think is quite an interesting marketing move as well
0: it it almost feels like uh an extrapolation of that you know deep impact armageddon where where two studios are racing to put films out of the same idea yeah but, th- but there is like a, a genre switch in there somewhere where it's yeah, like, okay, that, that... We, we know that there's a, a film coming out uh, uh, out about imaginary friends mm. and one studio is doing it, I think um, if has been described as, you know, what if Pixar was live action? Yeah. So it's kind of like trying to create that very kiddie feel, but having live action characters yes. interacting with these uh, imaginary friends. And then you have imaginary, which is just <laughs> like, what if, what if instead it was like a Blumhouse horror uh, <laughs> yeah. slasher film? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be I, interesting. I think it'd it's be...
1: fantastic. Yeah, I, I, just there was something about that combination of those two trailers, kind of back to back, that was like, oh, that's clever. I like that.
0: What, what, I, an idea that I like about that is if the same studio was releasing that, where they were kind of using this sort of like, um, the marketing for one film <laughs> to accelerate <laughs> another film. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it'd be it'd be interesting if you know you could do these dual productions mm. and, and save a whole bunch of money on on marketing <laughs> because. You know, you're, like you're saying, they're using the word "if" in that imaginary title, yeah. Um, j- just as a, you've heard about this other film that we spent all this marketing on. Yeah. Now, you know, <laughs> let's save some some dollars by by getting this one through as well.
1: It's, I mean, like the marketing cost on the second film is so much better because, like, you're just leaning on the other film. Uh, so I, yeah, look, again, the clever marketing people just know what they're doing. Sometimes
0: we were having a discussion about the because I, I think they they released maybe. I think, 11 films were shown during the Super Bowl. Obviously, each of them needing to have at least $7 million for whatever their (laughs) 30-second spot were. And of those 11 films, there were only two original concepts. So, like, of the ones we've talked about, Twister, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes and Wicked, all based on previous material. In in the case of, like, uh, uh, Wicked and Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, based on lots of iterations Mm -hmm. of previous musicals and books and TV shows and films and stuff like that, we had... um, uh, a Quiet Place Day 1, which is, you know, a prequel to the, the Quiet Place yep. series by John Krasinski we've talked about. Uh, so Moana 2 was another one that which showed up in there, obviously another sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inside Out 2. Yep. All of these sort of like sequels showing up and only really if mm-hmm. being like an original concept. And then uh, The Fall Guy, which is the Ryan Reynolds, Emily Blunt uh, film, which we didn't talk about last week, but we did talk about how we didn't talk about it last <laughs> week. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Lots and lots of uh, big budget films coming out, but studios not really wanting to take a risk on anything that hasn't proven to be a moneymaker before.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You, you need to spend that $7 million on the Super Bowl. So you really want to make exactly. sure that it's sort of like a and heavy hitter. you
0: know what? You can't cast Adam Sandler in every film and guarantee that it's going to make <laughs> 120% or 150% of its budget. Yeah. It's just not possible. Yep. Um, studios can try it over and over again and it can prove to be metronomically successful <laughs> and predictable in exactly what outcome it's going to have. Mm. Um, but there's only a certain number of Adam Sandlers to, to go around and only a certain number of vacation spots that he's willing to go to. Yep. Um, sometimes you know, sometimes you just have to make a sequel of a, of a pre-existing franchise.
1: Sometimes he just wants to stay home, okay? So until we crack how to make a, a film with Adam Sandler inside his own house... Uh, and so that it takes as minimal impact out of his life as possible. Those are the breaks. All right, those are the three and a bit trailers for this week's episode. But of course, before we can do anything with those, we're going to take a little walk over to the green room. And here we are. So let's recap. This Super Bowl spectacular collection of trailers,
0: we have... A Lego sequel. I, we didn't use that word during the discussion, but it quite obviously <laughs> is. Um, That's it. we're using A it Lego now. sequel yep. to a classic 90s disaster movie. Indeed, we also have... A reboot of a reboot of a <laughs> 60s uh, post-apocalyptic... Monster film. A monster... I feel like I can't really describe apes as monsters. No. Surely they're just creatures. creatures. Post-apocalyptic 60s sci-fi is probably all we really need to, to hit on with that one. Perfect. And finally, we have... A movie adaptation of a long-running Broadway
1: musical. Lovely. Lovely, lovely. Plenty of choice this week. Um, what are we thinking? What are we feeling?
0: I mean, th- the only standard that I really want to set with the film that we come up with it has to be... Super Bowl, Super Bowl trailer ad-worthy. Ad worthy. Yep. It, it has to be that big budget blockbuster yep. that to, you'd be willing to spend yep. $7 million for I, a 30-second trailer.
1: I have already earmarked in our budget spreadsheet, our Excel budget, budget spreadsheet, that $7 million that needs to go only towards uh, the <laughs> getting airtime during the Super Bowl, which yeah. I guess is going to have to be and next I've, year I've now. And I've
0: created... I've opened up a new savings account at our bank... <laughs> And we're just going to put savings? a little bit of money yep. in Great. every every yep. week for the next twelve months or eleven months yep. and twenty seven days yep. uh, until we saved up enough money yep. so we can pay for it for next year's uh, spot as well. <laughs>
1: That's solid four percent per month return. Perfect.
0: It it all adds up really. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, every depending bit on who. Taylor Swift is dating next year. Who knows how many people are going to be watching the Super Bowl? I mean, I
1: like that you've talked about Taylor Swift. I like that we've talked about Taylor Swift because clearly, and I think we have to follow the example of Wicked here. Wicked had Ariana Grande. Taylor Swift has just done wonderful things for uh, the NFL. And surely she could do wonderful things for a certain organization called
0: MFS. She, I mean, she is no stranger to being in Hollywood movies, having been in, I think, well, it's either New Year's Day or Valentine's Day yep. or one of those, um, you know, off the, off the back of, uh, I think Love Actually, mm-hmm. they started putting out all these Gary Marshall rom-com, mm. but they were more like a, a vignette series of relationships. She was in one of those at some stage. Yep. I don't actually know if she has any other film credits to her name. I mean, she's been, um, in, she's
1: been on SNL a couple of times or a fair few times. Um, I think she might have hosted at some point. So obviously she knows what she's doing behind a camera. Um, she did that. She did that documentary about herself as well. Um, Miss Americana.
0: Or I can't remember exactly yeah, what it was called. Or something, something like, like that it. wasn't
1: yeah. too bad. Yep. Um, so look. You know, if you stick a camera in front of her, she's not going to go, What is that strange device yeah, in front exactly. of me? Yeah, so, exactly. You she know, what and, and I think
0: a little bit like Adam Sandler, just money in the bank yeah, exactly. every time. Um, Although
1: we probably will need money in the bank to get her on board. So I think uh, we're going to need to add another column to that spreadsheet for. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll Smith. open
0: up another savings account <laughs> and we to, to to pay Taylor. Yep. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. So we, we already know that she's going to be in it because we just need her there. Um, I think, I mean, this has to be beyond blockbuster, this film. Right, so we have to... We we need to do a big action film, surely.
0: Gotta be big. So are we doing the the disaster film element from Twisters? Are we doing the post-apocalyptic thing from uh, Planet of the Apes?
1: It all seems to be centred around disasters. Um, We also missed out on talking about Deadpool and Wolverine. That's all, you know, big action, big superhero kind of, like, crossover events and this and that. Um, I do like the idea of crossing, like, a crossover thing too of some kind because I think... There is something about that if slash imaginary marketing duo that has just, you know, Ooh. got the gears in my head running. I can just see those numbers in spreadsheet just sort of uh, ticking up and up. Um, so I almost feel like we need to create, almost we need to create a singular world starring Taylor Swift that then also has a spin-off film that's for a completely different audience that leans on the marketing of that first film. I'm not sure what that is yet. Um, but have we, I mean, look, we've also talked about, for some reason, Sweeney Todd in the last two episodes. So do we need to do an action musical?
0: I, I like the idea of, uh, I mean, when we were talking about it before, you said action musical in relation to Wicked. And I don't think, I think you just meant it as a musical with a lot of moving parts to it. But I did think somehow of like Terminator 2, Judgment Day, the musical (laughs) as, as like, as being this sort of like high concept, uh, action thing yep. that is then also, you know, I mean, it, breaks into song every once if in a while. we did
1: that to tone out, we wouldn't be ruining the franchise any more than anyone else has at this Look, point. Every,
0: everybody has had a crack at putting <laughs> their own sort of spin on that franchise. I think even, like, James Cameron had involvement with Dark Fate and managed to get um, Linda Hamilton back in, but it still wasn't anyone's favourite uh, instalment in that series anyway.
1: I think on two separate occasions, for two separate Terminator films neither of which were directly related to each other. James Cameron was on board as a producer of some capacity. And I think in both situations, he said, yes, this is definitely the direction that I would go in for the next Terminator film or a direction that I personally, like he gave it the big old James Cameron seal of approval stamp. Uh, And then at some point later after the film came out and became a disaster, he kind of walked back his comments or uh, completely disowned it. So I think that you know the Terminator license has been passed back and forth um, over the years between various companies and holding companies and producers and so on and so forth. Um, they're not really doing anything with it now after the the last film in the uh, in the front, which was Dark Fate, I think.
0: I think Dark Fate was the last one. So I,
1: I think we pick it um, up. You know, I think we had another column. Is this Taylor
0: Swift? Is Sarah Connor in Terminator? <laughs> Are we doing Terminator Two the musical?
1: I because. You want to take Terminator 2, the best film in the franchise, and turn that into the musical and not do a continuation? Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't
0: show that it's a musical in the trailer. It's just like, you know, (laughs) the... <laughs> the inside the, the letter O in the uh, in the, the text yeah. is a little musical note instead of a hole, kind of yeah. like. Well that, and it's just like if you're really eagle-eyed, you'll see the musical note there. And surely that's enough to tell can, you that it's a musical.
1: All right, but can we do also this? Can we? I think as well. I would like to take the example of Wicked, um, in the sense that like Wicked as the title doesn't necessarily suggest Wizard of Oz because it you know it's just okay. a, it's just an adjective. And I I do like the example we came up earlier of just like James Cameron adding an S to the end of a
0: word to create the next thing. Oh,
1: do we just call it ter- the money? <laughs> do we just call it Terminators? Terminators,
0: yeah. Is it is it an alternate retelling from a different perspective of the story of Terminator Two? A
1: hundred percent,
0: yes. I don't mind that at all, right? <laughs> but for, like from whose perspective? Well, like because with Wicked, you're taking the antagonist. Yep. And you're sort of retelling their story to say, actually, from a different point of view, this person is quite good, and yeah, you can, you know, yeah. spin and market everything. Do we tell from the is, is Terminator's <laughs> the yeah? Is, is Terminator's <laughs> the musical from the point of view of um, the term like in the future where the the robots have taken over, <laughs> but there we we show that they're actually kind of you know good and they're doing things for altruistic reasons. Yes. And then you see this alternate perspective where they've sent the original Arnold Schwarzenegger back in time yep. um, and he got crushed by um, the, I I've only ever seen Terminator once, uh, where he gets, you know, I think they, gets, they crush him crushed him. He crushed by they, machinery,
1: yep, and then in the second one they send back a reprogrammed version of the ter- that Terminator, the T-800, to protect yeah. uh, Sarah Connor's child, John yes. Connor. But then the robots send back the T1000, the metallic, molten metal, yeah, shape-shifting metal. Um, version to kill. Um,
0: so, so maybe maybe our story is kind of the person in the time travel center who is trying to manipulate these timelines by sending um, these robots back in time to uh, influence events, and it's you know their reaction to what we know has happened to previous iterations. But it is all from their, their perspective of as they're yeah. trying to correct mistakes that are being made in the past.
1: Weirdly enough, I had a thing where, like, you know, um, the T-1000's inner soul is actually like Taylor Swift and we actually see the perspective of the T-1000's inner soul as, like, Taylor Swift singing all these songs about how they're misunderstood and how, um, you know, they can't... The actions that they're carrying out are the thing that they're programmed to do, but internally they don't want to do it. It's just not yeah. them. It's like they're fighting this internal voice of theirs that just wants to sing, that just wants to like uh, <laughs> just wants to like bring happiness to the world, but it's exactly. crushed. Not, you know, it's crushed by that that programming.
0: Not all of the robots want a future where it's, you know, eternal war, right? Yeah. There yep. is that that faction wants to eradicate humans, but why can't we all just sort of like live in peace yeah. um, together?
1: Which was, or, you know. It's actually a concept in the uh, the fourth Matrix film, The Matrix Resurrections. One of the sort of more interesting ideas is that they show the sort of um, the humanity living in the real world, um, which has become a little bit more utopic, I guess. Some of the robots that um, were once against the humans have now joined them and they sort of cohabitate together and help each other out and are actually a much more harmonious relationship than what was previously in those matrix films so i feel like this is it this is it right like surely in the future of the terminator where they keep sending back the t-1000s there are a faction of robots and there are a faction of um of uh you know skynet protocols that don't want to do this they're like no no this is not like this is not the way and i think that yeah taylor swift is definitely the voice of i
0: I think yeah so so she's not Sarah Connor then I no, uh, imagine no, 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 that no. when when we we don't ever really see Sarah Connor because uh, or you know if we do it's her um, whatever actress we get and we just you know deep fake Linda Hamilton's face on top of her or whatever they yep. they do yep. these days to make you know to bring back these these beloved casts yep. but I think maybe she's she's a, a an element in the system where you've got um, certain people who are sending Terminators back in time to create the apocaly- post-apocalyptic future but then she's weaving her own thing back in there it's like oh you know you know, she's the one who's responsible for sending Arnie back in Terminator 2 mm. or um, she's responsible for whatever, you know, I don't really remember the rest of the Terminator films terribly well. There's a huge chunk of them that I haven't seen. Yeah. But she's she's pulling the strings in the background to make sure that, you know, Edward Furlong, uh, you know, yep. survives. And yep. uh, who's who's... Nick Stahl and Claire Danes were they in the They're in Terminator, Terminator 3?
1: Three? But I think what we do is like every other Terminator film that's come out, we just kind of ignore that any other Terminator film has come out post Terminator Two.
0: I think we, I, I mean, what I'd imagined is that we actually try and do the more difficult thing, which is to create a connection between every single Terminator franchise. Because, like, you know... Okay. Obviously, everyone tries to ignore it, but they're all creating their own separate timelines. I imagine Taylor Swift sitting in front of this giant screen, (laughs) which has these lines going across (laughs) it, which is literally the timelines of every single Terminator film. Yep. And she's trying to create ways of bridging and editing and bringing it all together and tying it all together. I don't know if you're aware as well, but there's also a uh theme park only entry into the terminator universe which is terminator yes. 2 3D yeah. which has like 10 minutes of original footage yep. directed by James Cameron mm-hmm. it has the T1 million which is you oh, know the yeah, obviously the right. next next logical step yep. up from the T1000 which is a giant spider yep. uh terminator liquid metal-y thing anyway that's part of it uh <laughs> dark fate is part of it uh Terminator Salvation which it well, Christian Bale and yep. uh Sam Worthington yep. um is part of it. Yep. What was the one in the middle there with uh Mackenzie Mackenzie someone that was or like, other? that
1: was Dark Fate. So that was Mackenzie Davis. Was that Dark Fate? Yeah. Um she's actually human but she's just an enhanced. Jason Isaacs as well? Jason Isaacs is in that? I don't think he
0: is. There was definitely one with Jason Isaacs in it. I thought it was separate to the Mackenzie Davis one, I mean, which is why I'm trying to remember Genesis or Jen Weiss.
1: Jen Weiss had Amelia um, Clark in it, and Ah Amelia uh, Clark. Jai Courtney, I think, was playing the not
0: Jason Isaacs. Who's the Australian actor whose last name's Isaac or something like that? Or Jason J- from Planet of the Apes as well. Um, I'm going to sound like a real fool here. <laughs>
1: Jai Courtney. Let's look at Jai Courtney was the guy that you're talking about. I think who plays the. Uh, I mean, I haven't actually seen Genesis, but he was the one that was paired with Amelia Clark's character, and I think Amelia Clark is playing Sarah Connors or a version of Sarah. Con- Do we also need to bring in the TV show version um, of uh, Sarah, Con- the Sarah Connors Chronicle? Yeah, Sarah um, Connors,
0: and anything that Dana is Heady. part of that universe yep. has to has to be has in to there. Be in yeah, so this is like <laughs> uh,
1: this is Terminators Taylor version. Um, Taylor where- <laughs> <Taylor's> version. <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> we string it all back together in the same way that Taylor Swift took back her back catalogue from a from a, a, an absolute scumbag of a, of a manager. Um, Taylor's version of Terminator's... Just,
0: just to go off on a tangent there. So do you realise now that in recording studio contracts, they mm. have clauses now that you agree that you will not re-record and re-release your own really? songs? She, she's she's changed the way that they wow. do those contracts yeah. to to stop recording artists doing what she did, yep. which is essentially just taking ownership over her music from people who are selling it to you know random companies without her consent and doing whatever yep. they want with it. Uh, they they've they've found their work around that. I mean, the
1: important thing here is that that only applies to music, doesn't apply to films yet. So we're gonna let exactly. we're gonna let her do what she did to music two films specifically to the Terminator franchise, which, as much as I like it, does need rescuing.
0: Uh, you know, there's no... I, I just realised, and sorry to derail it again, I was talking about Jason Clark and not Jason Isaac. Right, okay. That's my mistake. You know, <laughs> although having, you know, Malfoy's dad thrown in there as well maybe maybe <laughs> might add some gravitas or terror into the Terminator universe. I think the
1: scenes that include Taylor Swift, because they're obviously going to be new, they're not going to be, um, you know, part of the any of the existing films... We can put Jason Isaacs in. I love Jason Isaacs. I think he's magnificent. Um, I'm hoping that he can sing because I like
0: the idea of the two of them duetting, Ooh.
1: Like a Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow style.
0: I just have this gut feeling that he can definitely sing.
1: Okay, good.
0: That's. it has got to be a thing, right? I, I yeah. mean... Yeah, I'm, I'm all on board. I reckon Jay <laughs> Isaac's got a beautiful singing voice. I think
1: voice. so too. I, I think, you know, I love that guy. I think he's, he's a is, great is actor. He,
0: is he actually the foil who is the the other person in this time travel centre who's sending the machines back in time to try and cause the robot oh, yeah, apocalypse? Yeah. He's,
1: he's the malevolent force, and we know that he can play malevolent because, you know, Malfoy's dad, as mentioned. Exactly. Um, he plays Sinister really well. Um, yeah, I like this. See, so, I mean, you, interestingly...
0: So I know we wanted to call it Terminators, but for somewhere in my head, the word symbiosis has just come in here. Can we call it Terminators symbiosis? Yes. And it's like Taylor Swift trying to create a future in which robots (laughs) and humanity can live together. Do we
1: also bracket it as saying Taylor's version, though?
0: Taylor's version. It's it's Terminators symbiosis, the musical in brackets, (laughs) Taylor's Taylor's version. version. Yep,
1: great. You know what's great about that? There's so many S's in there that we can do a James Cameron style, just vertical lines. So through. many
0: dollar signs. Are there any L's in there that we can turn into pound signs uh, or uh, I E's mean, we ta- we can Taylor. turn into euro signs?
1: <laughs> but just for our whiteboard, like obviously the actual money. Yeah, exactly. Just, just mentally,
0: we don't we don't need the world to know that all we think about is money. Yeah, like, exactly. It's just just so long as for our own yep. sake, when we're we're running through these ideas, yep. we can uh, we can put it in there. I
1: mean, everything about this scream seven million dollar Super Bowl trailer to meet I mean if anything this screams like two seven million dollar Super Bowl trailers.
0: I vaguely also remember the year that Terminator Salvation had their Super Bowl trailer as well. Yep. So there is definitely precedent here. This is one of those franchises that does not miss out on those big marketing yep. opportunities. Yeah.
1: And I think as well, what I want to do is I don't want to actually use any footage from any of the films. I want to reshoot all the bits that they um that we're referencing and reshoot them again. I,
0: I like that Uh, You mentioned the the Matrix Resurrections earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that annoyed me about that film was that when they showed clips from the supposed video game that the Matrix was based on, it was just clips of the film, the The Matrix. I'm like, if you're going to do that, why not just remake those scenes? Keep the, you know, it's shot for shot, but make it look like it's a video game. Yeah. And they go, oh, right, this thing that I have experienced that I thought was a film was actually a video game I, 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 th- I think what they missed an no opportunity
1: there. So I think that's what we do. I think they were trying to be clever in that sense of like, oh yes, that film that you watch was actually a video game and so on and so forth. But yeah, look, I think... Uh, yes,
0: yeah, no, it was... And, and, and of course, you know, the cutscenes were so good. It was looked like it was shot on 35mm <laughs> thing... film with a $150 million budget, of course. How could I have been so naive? <laughs> exactly.
1: To get even more nitty gritty, the thing that I dislike, which is quite similar to that, is any film that comes out, you know, a while later, that's part of the franchise, and they make reference to a character character that has died usually through a photo of some kind and it's just a production still from a previous film indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull did it
0: oh yeah um, when- free-
1: oceans 8 the the all-female reboot did that because um apparently it's danny ocean's sister who's played by um
0: sandra bullock sandra
1: bullock, uh, sandra bullock is danny ocean's sister and apparently danny ocean has died Um, before that film happened. And there's a picture of him and it's literally just a still from Ocean's Eleven. And I'm like, who took this photo in this world? Who was there? And I hate that. So for our version of Terminators, we're going to reshoot all of it. It's not going to be archival footage. It's not going to be, you know, a a bad CGI kind of like, uh, you know, facial... No, we're going to... I think we recast all the actors... Um, we we do it all for real and and make this universe feel... Again, this is what Taylor would do. Taylor doesn't just, you know, take the stems and the original recordings that she had and just goes, oh, we'll just, you know, increase the levels here or, you know, equalize it a little bit. No, she re-records every song.
0: Yep, And then exactly. she
1: owns them as a result. So I don't know if we're saying that she will own the Terminator franchise after this, but, you know it could be in worse hands let's be honest than taylor swift
0: i think we should also probably learn our lesson from last week where yep. we cast from a film that hadn't been released yet so we didn't know if it was going to be successful or not yep um i feel like we should be going through the top box office films oh, at yeah. the moment yep. and pulling out the actors Every that we already one. know make yep. bank um i'm thinking uh i think who would make a really good terminator mm-hmm. if you know someone's getting sent back in time uh, Henry Cavill he's currently in oh, yeah. Argyle at the moment yep. didn't get great um, uh, reviews mm-hmm. but making a lot of money and he is a very bankable star yep. and he's also super buff in the way that Arnie yep. was which yep. I think it makes it makes a good Terminator yep. um, so if we're going to do that you know that maybe Jason Isaacs who we've already cast is the guy <laughs> who's sending maybe maybe um, Henry Cavill is, is his yep. you know Terminator that he's sending back in time I think we also need to cast a Kyle Reese yep Um, who I think is, you know, Taylor's uh, avatar for, you know, trying to send people (laughs) back in time. Also from Argyle, uh, Sam Rockwell's in there. I think he would be a very good Kyle Reese.
1: Sam
0: Rockwell, yeah. Um, I I, I think I I like those as our four core cast members. You have Taylor Swift um, playing, you know, trying to create symbiosis. You have Jason Isaacs being the the antagonist trying to create the post-apocalypse of the machines. (laughs) And he's sending Henry Cavill back in time. While yep. uh, Taylor Swift is sending Sam Rockwell as Kyle Reese to yep. to try and fix all the different uh, mistakes yep. throughout throughout these timelines and try and yep. stitch yep. together this very disparate franchise all together into one cohesive yep. unit, which yep. um, all, I all think narratively makes elements, a lot of sense.
1: The TV show, every single film that's come out, even if they've implicitly said this has no real connection to the like existing term, no, they're all part of the all same part family it. now. It is. <laughs> terminate terminators symbiosis i really actually really like the name of that um now
0: terminators symbiosis the musical the music in bracket taylor's, taylor's version. Taylor.
1: <laughs> now i know that we've already made this film and everything's done and dusted signed on the dotted line we'll get contracts out there that excel spreadsheet is chock a block full of like expenses that we now have to pay um did we want to throw in a like if imaginary style scenario where Ooh. we have a second film or a second project that leans very heavily on
0: just riding the coattails of that absolutely, giant. Absolutely, yeah.
1: As, as like as opportunistic as possible, very much core movie film studios of like taking an idea that's already out there and just expanding on it.
0: It's really doing a genre shift, isn't it? And I'm in oh, yeah, having 100%. having mashed up the musical and action genre uh, already in. <laughs> Terminator's symbiosis, the musical, Taylor's version. It. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out what genre you could... It has to be like, something
1: that's, like, the most objectionable to the audience that would go see Terminator. Like, because if you think about the audience that goes to see If, which would be family, young children, and so on and so forth, diametrically opposed to the people yeah, that would go and see I mean, imaginary.
0: Realistically, we've got action fans, we have Taylor fans. The only, like, core group is either really old people or really young people. And so either either we do like, I'm not saying you know the Muppets babies, like that thing where you're taking an existing franchise and you're just doing junior characters, mm. or do we go the other route and do like a best exotic marigold hotel kind of thing where you're trying to get, <laughs> That that old audience in, really struggling to make those ideas gel together in any cohesive way that has anything to do with the Terminator universe at all.
1: <laughs> I I honestly think here's what I think we should do. I think what we're actually missing here is the film that. Let's be honest. If you slap Terminator onto a film, critics are going to hate it, right? Critics have uh, have been all over Terminator Two. Everyone thinks it's the you know gold class of filming. Everything that's come out after Terminator 2 has been critically maligned and every critic says it's not Terminator 2, it makes all the mistakes that Terminator 2 doesn't, blah, 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 blah. So I think that what we're actually missing here is a critic's darling. Okay. Is there a way that we can create from snippets of this film like a hard-hitting, dramatic, like, cautionary sci-fi tale a la, like, um, Ex Machina... Or a Blade Runner style, like, really, like, gritty, uh, you know, Denis Villeneuve style um, sci-fi character drama piece that leans very heavily on the ideas of, like, (laughs) Taylor Swift sending machines back in time.
0: So, Denis got Dune 2 coming out, which is, you know, that sort of very high concept, artsy, sci-fi thing. I reckon... Maybe we, to get those people on board riding the coattails, is maybe we do cuts of the film, which is one of them is uh, Terminators Jr. To, yep. to try and get the, the kids on board. <laughs> one of them is the best exo- exotic yep. robot killer hotel. Yep, yep. One of them is um, your ex machina style high concept thing. And yep. we release all of these trailers that are like, you know, purporting to be uh, these different <laughs> films. They go in, what is it? It's the same film. They're all they're all exactly Terminator, yep, Symbiosis, yep, yep. the musical Taylor's version. Um, it's just very very yep. clever editing by our editing team yep. to make it look like it's a different thing. Yep. And we get every every demographic in to see yep. this this film.
1: Perfect. We're gonna have to, again crack open that Excel spreadsheet because we're gonna need to add multiple lines for seven million dollar trailers. We're gonna cut.
0: Oh, but that's the thing, isn't it? We're gonna have like to release five, five, like five trailers? different trailers. Yeah. Five trailers in the in the Super Bowl, all purporting <laughs> to be different films. This is man expensive, Dis- but Disney worth, is going to be
1: furious. <laughs> They're not going to have any space to show off any of their films.
0: <laughs> Who owns the Terminator rights? Is that has Disney Disney bundled that in at some point along with like the Die Hard and Alien and Predator?
1: Terminator was in this weird kind of world where like a standalone company owned it for a while, and I think potentially now it's back with Universal.
0: Mm, um, okay. But it because the that's um that's uh Terminator 2 3D was part of a Universal ride, so yeah, it does make sense that Universal
1: Studio Canal apparently owns Terminator and Skydance Ooh. Media for upcoming Terminator films. Interesting, so All right. you know, the, the fact is like it's been lost to time. Who knows who owns these things? Who knows where those contracts are? Again, you get Taylor Swift involved and things just go exactly. your way. She Think, didn't own I'm... the rights to any of her songs before she no. recorded them, so. There's no reason why we slash her won't own the rights to the entire Terminator franchise after we make Terminator Symbiosis, Terminator's Symbiosis, the musical, Taylor's version.
0: Taylor's version. Yep. Problem solved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I think that's a wrap on Terminators, Terminator's Symbiosis, the musical, Taylor's version. Housekeeping, as per usual, give us a like or a rating on any of the podcast platforms of your choice, just because it helps.
0: Yeah, exactly. If, if you've enjoyed this, then um, tell a friend to get back on board. I think we mentioned last week that, you know, it's been a, a while since recording. So, yep. uh, you know, let, let your friends know that we're back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a little bit light on housekeeping at the moment. We're just yeah. sort of, you know, keeping it very casual with the mm-hmm. recording and the releasing. So if you're listening, we enjoy you. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not, which is, you know, probably almost everyone in the world, then uh, we we still enjoy (laughs) you and we appreciate you. So uh, hopefully you'll be a fan in the future. We would
1: enjoy and appreciate you even more if you happen to tune in. And you can visit moviefilmstudios.com if you're looking for a place to start. And I think that's it.
0: All that remains is to thank you again for listening this week. I've been Isaac. And I've been AJ. Roll credits.